gotta keep them separated. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Goalpost. We have finally hit the sweet spot in October. We are in the best time of the year for sports. We got baseball, we got football, we got hockey starting, basketball starting soon. Patrick, we made it. Finally here, Damien. All our hard work has paid off, and uh, now we get to reap the benefits, really. I mean, it's kind of just a, a viewer and, I guess, a podcaster, sports podcaster's delight. I mean, you it gets to, you know, past dinner time, sometimes even before dinner time with the MLB playoffs. Like, they got 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock starts, and you're just watching sports the entire night. And I think I think two TVs are a necessity in times like these, especially with hockey going on and they don't know how to schedule anything because you're going to have seven games going at once. So if you want to watch your Leafs, your Sens, your Habs, whoever, you're going to need two TVs going along with MLB, uh, NA, or NBA and NFL along with college. So it's uh, it's just sports overload right now, Damian. What a galaxy brain move by the NHL scheduling their first game of the season, uh, Tampa Bay, Nashville, like at the same time as what, two MLB playoff games like starting yeah. off? Yeah, direct, uh, directly comp- competing against them. Thank you, ESPN. That is that's awesome. Like, <laughs> I I appreciate the uh, the schedule that they set up for Bedard. We'll get to that a bit later. Uh, at the end, we'll talk about NHL opening night. We'll give you a bit of our thoughts on the Leafs uh, season. I'll give you a bit of an honest uh, assessment of what I think about the how the year is going to go, or you know, kind of what my hopes are going into the year or lack thereof. Um, But first, we're going to have to kind of talk about Monday Night Football. We're going to go back to Packers, Raiders. I think, oddly enough, a lot of people talked about that Cowboys 49ers game as a measuring stick. I think this game was a measuring stick as well, kind of in opposite ways. The People didn't really know what the Packers were about so far. Jordan Love hadn't really been given his shot in kind of prime time. Uh, But this was really kind of the game that proved all those questions either right or wrong and actually kind of proved your Raiders take maybe gave it a bit more life yeah I guess it's that takes not completely dead yet but this going into this game Damian this is a game that I thought Green Bay could and and should win really I mean the Raiders really haven't shown any signs of life this year and Green Bay kind of has at times shown potential to be you know like a a fiery offense with a competitive defense. And, you know, you got Jer Alexander back there, Rashawn Gary, like you have players on the defense and like the offense. I know it's very like all the wide receivers are either second year players or rookies. The Jordan loves, I guess, technically a rookie in his third season. Um, But green Bay just looked flat the entire game. And I mean, we, I think we were talking, I'm not sure which game it was, but we were talking like, did Green Bay, you know, did they find another one? Did they draft another Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers? I didn't see any of that in this game. It was rough. He was just over 50% completion percentage, 182 yards and three interceptions, Damian. That is just, that is it. Like, you know, that is the last thing you want to see out of a young quarterback is turning the ball over as like, 182 yards that's not the craziest thing but the fact that he turned the ball over three times that that just kills you in games like this yeah it was a bad showing he seemed to make the easy passes all night but it was when it like when it came time to make a tough pass in a tight window 
it just wasn't there. He was throw that was where the last interception came. He tried to make a play at the end of the game where they still had like 45 seconds on the clock and a couple of downs. It, it was kind of a hero ball play. Uh, and I think that in terms of the Packers being dead, like has Matt LaFleur lost his fastball a bit? I thought their play calling and their overall kind of game plan going into that was really dead. Like they, they seem to not have any juice whether it was, you know, running AJ Dillon up the gut like 60 times, like it worked for that one touchdown and that was pretty much it. Um, but other than that, I didn't see a lot from the Packers, you know, brass, if you want to call it, that, you know, kept them in this game. Yeah, they they just wanted to run AJ Dillon the entire game, it seemed like, and and they did really. They did not go away from that running game. Even if they didn't really have success, obviously, you know, you mentioned it, they did get the one touchdown, which was big for them, but like he averaged 3.8 yards a carry and Jordan love, like I think his legs should be utilized more because he had two rushes for 37 yards. And I feel like that's kind of just an underappreciated part of his game. I think a lot of people kind of see him as a pocket passer, but he has legs and you kind of have to respect them. So I think if they started using Jordan, Jordan loves legs more in this game, it would have opened up more avenues for AJ Dillon to actually have success because they clearly that was their game plan. It's like we are going to pound AJ Dillon into this 40 or into this Raiders front. And I mean, it wasn't the worst running performance I've ever seen, but it wasn't really good. Well, it just stopped like when, you know, they take the horse collar to take them down instead of making that a touchdown. And it turns out to be the right play because they keep the Packers to a field goal just because they're trying to run the same play over and over again. And then love throws it out of the back of the end zone and then they have to kick it. Uh, and I think that the Packers, like they, they look like a team that is kind of lost in the sense that they are kind of rookies, right? Like it does, it, it screams a really young team and some interesting comments by Jair Alexander after the game. And I actually don't think he was trying to slight, them I actually thought it was a pretty brutally honest assessment he said like you know they're all young they're still trying to figure it out and do their thing if we want to win games the defense is essentially going to have to you know score points and stop points which is you know a brutally honest assessment of this team because that's what the defense is doing yeah no I, I would agree with that take and what what was your opinion on that that horse collar tackle because I saw, you know, the the rules, NFL rules, Twitter was kind of going crazy about it, saying it should be like a, a clear path foul in the NBA, um, or it's, you know, like you should just throw them on the goal line, whatever it is, because it did save a touchdown at the end yeah. of the day. And it's also kind of a dirty tackle, just an intentional horse collar. So I was just wondering what your kind of thoughts, like if you, would you have just left it the way it is? Would you look to change the rule? What, what Where's your head at for that? It's such a unique play in the sense that you rarely see guys taking like intentional penalties like that, which kind of lends, you know, credence to the fact that maybe there should be a rule like a clear path foul. Now, leaving anything in the in the gray with the NFL is where chaos just breeds. It's why they took out that challenging, um, like challenging pass interference, essentially penalty a, a few years ago. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious how Josh McDaniels like didn't even hide from it. Like in the post game presser, he's like, yeah, it was a great play, great play, right play. And uh, he's just like, doesn't even assess the fact that it was like maybe a pretty greasy play. Uh, but that's Josh McDaniels. That's that's Patriots football. 
Yeah, they'll do anything to win football games, and they don't really care how they do it. They just need to get the win column. And I guess we can talk about Vegas a bit. They did win the game. Josh McDaniels might have saved his job. Like, if you lose to the Packers, you're 1-4. and four. It's really ugly, but they found ways to win, and uh, I don't know. Like, f- free everyone on that team. Free Devontae Adams. Free Josh Jacobs. Like, Jacoby Myers Max had Crosby, a great game. man. I would yep. love to see Max Crosby on a better team. He's such a dog. He's like a... It's like a bizarro world TJ Watt. Like he has all the tattoos and everything and like Watt's the clean one and they're just both dogs. Yeah, he's very fun to watch. I think probably the only fun player to watch on that defense, really. He's Um, the only player like broadcast get fired up about. Like they just stay on him the whole game. And it feels forced sometimes, but he always comes through. Like he always shows up, especially in prime time. He comes through. He's, He's good for a sack a game pretty much. Um, always disrupting the quarterback, seems to always be in the backfield. And I don't know, these two teams both go to two and three now. And I think that's kind of exactly where they should be, really. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it kind of leveled out both of them and leveled out some expectations for the Packers um, and kind of brought back maybe a bit of life to the Raiders season. Um, But we'll go back to the other measuring stick game in Sunday night football the Cowboys get dragged up and down the field by the 49ers. This one was ugly. George Kittle finishes with three touchdowns. Dak Prescott finishes with three interceptions. And that was essentially the story of this one. Yeah, that's that's all she wrote, really. It was disgusting performance from the Cowboys. You you thought once they got it to 14-7, maybe they found, found a switch and it, this was going to be a competitive game. It was far from it, and I, I'm just two to ten. Yeah, I I don't know if I I take more away like from the Cowboys in this situation, or I take it away from the 49ers because like are the Cowboys good? Is is my my biggest question mark from this game? Are the Cowboys in that upper class of the NFC? I think that they are maybe more so than any other team. Maybe the Bills, but the Bills have held up kind of decently with it their defense being injured is crippling them because that was that used to be really their strength and it would keep Dak on the field like in less crunch time situations which is exactly where he kind of runs into problems when that defense isn't the same and you're getting walked over all night like their their corners are hurt like you don't have digs back there anymore Vander Esch goes out like they're this could be a bad next stretch. And it's actually kind of, you know, giving me a bit of solace because I picked the Cowboys to miss the playoffs. And for like a week or two or three after that, I was like, this could be a terrible take. Now it's not looking insane. No, you're, you're, you're edgy. You're, you're edgy with that take. You know, it's, it's not a bad one right now. If they won that game, you probably would have looked a little silly, but they yeah. got their doors knocked out. And, Oh, yeah, I just didn't expect this. I expected San Francisco to win the game. I I was on them. And I mean, you could have bet them up like any way you wanted. They were covering every spread first half, first quarter, full game. It was just gross. And oh, the Cowboys Dak throwing three interceptions is like they could have just lost this game normally. You know, let's say it was 28, 21. Nobody has any question marks for the Cowboys competitive football game. 
you know, you're three and two in, but it's like, it's an okay three and two. Now it feels like all the walls are crashing in on them. Mike McCarthy is having the answer in the post game. Like now we're talking about Dak Prescott and his contract and it's, we're not even in a contract year. This Cowboys team. Sorry, I didn't didn't mean. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It was such a Cowboys loss. Like this is more than any other team in the NFL, a team that needs to completely rewrite how people think of them in the public eye, in their culture. This was an absolute Cowboys loss. You can't throw three interceptions and get blown out. Everybody is going to revert exactly back to what they thought of you. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly what I was going to say. So that's perfect. I was like, this Cowboys team is just a revolving door. It feels like around this time, every single year, they have the hype. They start off really well, and then they just have this game around week five, week six, where it's like, you guys are pretenders. Like, you're just not in the elite class of the NFL. No. And they got embarrassed tonight. But I get a lot, or sorry, Sunday night. But I guess we should give some some love to the Niners. They're Terrifying. the best team in football. They're the best team in football terrifying the most terrifying thing about the Niners is their defense I think like they're if you compare offenses like to the Dolphins their defenses can't even be compared right now like you're facing an iron wall at every single level of the defense if you get past the line you have Fred Warner waiting to just knock your doors off it's just I don't see how they they lose many games at all this year no I I believe they will be undefeated up until they play Philly. And I'm hoping that's an undefeated matchup in all in all honesty. Because that's that game of the year. Incredible. Yeah, Man. that is the game of the year. Yeah. Uh if they play undefeated and where do Man. you have Brock Purdy? Is he is he like a I You know what? I'm gonna get on my Dan Orlovsky chair right it. now. Do it. He's fitting balls in windows. <laughs> he actually is. I, I I've I've kind of had my hater goggles on for for Brock Pur- Purdy, less so than like, you know, the general like Twitter or how much people really hate on him, but more so looking for those throws, kind of like kind of like how Trevor Lawrence throws the ball. Like I think that people are waiting to see if he's actually like an elite passer, and I think he's starting to show that. He fit a lot of balls in some really impressive windows. Yeah, I was I was watching that game and I just kind of had that question in my head. I was like my my test for him was if you put Kenny Pickett as the quarterback for the 49ers, I don't think he's as I don't think he throws four touchdown passes against the Cowboys. Like yeah. that's kind of where I'm like, he is better than your your just average run of the mill quarterback. And I don't know how the 49ers lucked out and just it was probably a throwaway pick. Last pick yeah. of the draft. They all oh, here's here's the quarterback from Iowa State. What a franchise saving pick because Trey Lance, he didn't even like they put Cooper Rush in before they put Trey Lance in in the Cowboys. Dude, and seeing him on the sideline catching passes for Dak warming up, it's like, dude, what a what a fall. Like what has happened? Yeah, that was so funny to watch, though. I I, because I I don't know. I I just kind of forgot Trey Lance was even in the league. And then you just see him against his old team on the sideline. Yeah, he's catching the passes and handing it to Dak. Outrageous. He's the third string quarterback, man. That's that's tough. Yeah, very tough. Um, but moving now to a little bit of Sunday wrap up, we're not going to go through the whole sledge, um, but just kind of touch on some important games that happened. Um, first up for me was kind of seeing that the Bengals 
gotta get right game against a tough Cardinals team. I think everybody was waiting for this game. Joe throws three touchdowns. Jamar Tate, Jamar Chase gets three touchdowns. Um, they kind of battle out a tough one in the four o'clock slate with a lot of eyes on them. And I feel like it just gave them, it, it kept their head above water another week. Yeah. And it didn't start out too well either. I thought it was going to be another like, oh my goodness, the Cardinals just are the friskiest team in the NFL. They, they play everyone hard. Um, and then eventually the, the cream rose to the top here yeah. or I didn't say that right, but that's okay. The Bengals took care of business in this game. They covered the spread, one by two touchdowns. Joe Burrow finally looked like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase as well. You said it. And I don't know if they're all the way back. Like there was, you know what I mean? Like the start wasn't pretty. Um, I don't, it just, it still feels like they're just missing one ingredient and I think it's the, a T Higgins or or a Tyler Boyd that that number two wide receiver needs to step up for Cincinnati because that's what made them so elite last year. Because if Jamar Chase was getting doubled, they had a just as good option for number two, and then T Higgins or Tyler Boyd would just feast. We haven't seen that this year at all. Nobody's talking about it. That used to be a huge talking point last year about how they had the absolute best receiver room in terms of a one-two in the league. Any and nobody's mentioning that anymore. T. Higgins been dealing with a bit of injuries, but I would love to see somebody like Boyd step up in that offense. Um, but yeah, just another game where they can kind of move on to the next week. We'll get to their ga- their matchup next week uh, a bit later, but it's an intriguing one. Uh, next, I'll touch quickly on the Vikings bad loss to the chiefs like one of those games where you're not expecting to win but when you find yourself in a position that you can win and it goes like that and justin jefferson gets injured just a nightmare game i i felt for the vikings and i usually don't care about the vikings at all i think they actually got hosed by the refs on multiple occasions in this game and it was just so obvious that watson catch he wasn't in bounds. No. What are we talking about here? And they reviewed it through like twice. They, they, they went to commercial. taking his helmet off. That one. And then um, the they threw a flag on a pass interference. And then they picked it up when it would have been like on a first and goal for the Vikings. They moved Kansas City, who would have had to kick a field goal. They moved them into another first and goal, giving them a touchdown. I'm starting to detest the Chiefs. I saw people being like, well, the Chiefs were actually flagged more than the Vikings in this game. And it's like, dude, that use your eyes. That's not how this went. That was right down in the crunch time. I I think the Vikings totally got hosed and they had a chance to win this game. Now you're in like sell mode. Like this was the thing that pushed them right off the cliff that now you're actively probably shopping people. Yeah, and I mean, that Jefferson injury looks like he's going to miss, I think, at least four weeks, they said, and that is the last thing that you wanted, and Hawkinson also was injured for a period of time in this game, but he he returned and finished the game. I mean, the the, the Cousins trade rumors are going everywhere. Uh, Jefferson, I'm sure, is not too happy about what's going on. Uh, I didn't see this happening in Minnesota this year, but it is an absolute mess. It's a dumpster fire. I'm really intrigued to see if they actually do pull the trigger on anything. At this point, I think it's a, I don't know, 10% shot they signed Justin Jefferson after this, unless they give him like generational money. Uh, I don't know. I think they should 
trade Kirk ASAP to the Jets, to whoever you want, whoever's going to take him really, and go all in for a top five draft pick and just ask Justin Jefferson, what quarterback do you want? Who are we drafting, JJ? I don't mind that. I'm assuming you're probably not going to be the worst team in the league because there are like Minnesota does have some upside. They just find ways to lose games this year, it seems. Yeah, but I can see them finishing bottom five in the league. No problem with this Jefferson injury. You really don't have a defense. And I don't know. You got to please your star wide receiver, right? Like, hey, who do you want, Justin? Who do you want? It's going to be a crazy interesting offseason for wide receivers. Him and Chase needing to be paid is going to be crazy. Uh, but moving on now, I want to go to kind of the craziest game of the day or craziest end of the day. It's your Steelers, man. Pulling out a tough, tough divisional win over the Ravens. This was a game that <laughs> that Mike Tomlin wins, man. What Every week we're saying the same thing. So gross. So, so gross. Uh, I wasn't able to watch the first half. I had, I had Thanksgiving obligations, but I was listening on the radio and it just felt, I just heard punt, 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 punt. Uh, it was gross. Uh, Baltimore, two drop touchdown passes. Uh, they just couldn't score points. And when you just had that feeling that once they weren't pulling away and it was 10-3 at halftime, the Steelers had a chance. And I mean, the fourth quarter was maybe the best quarter of football they played all year. Uh, they finally figured out that Jalen Warren is a better running back than Najee Harris. And he was unreal in that fourth quarter, a hurdle, spin move, big catches, big runs. And then Kenny Pickett with the audible and finds George Pickens for not a walk off, but like a nail in the coffin kind of touchdown and then tj watt with two sacks it's i can't believe they won that game but that's like you said just such a classic steelers win if they're underdogs you bet on them if they're favorites just fade them and somehow they're leading the division it's it's insane to say that it's awesome to say that because i mean who had that on their bingo card except for you pretty much uh it was a stellar game from tj watt like he comes up big early absolutely blowing people up and then like every week he's there at the end of the game making plays gotta love the the skybox view of matt canada just hating that touchdown like everyone else in the box is jumping up and down on like the sickest touchdown and he is stone-faced i know it was like the most explosive play the steelers have shown all year all year he doesn't move I don't know if you saw it. There was Fire Canada chance at that Steelers game. There was Fire Canada chance at the Pittsburgh Penguins home opener last night. <laughs> I, those players must have been really confused if they didn't watch football because I was like 75% Canadian players on the ice. Like, what the hell is going on? Um, but oh. it, I, my stance on Matt Canada has not changed because that was clearly an audible called by Pickett at the line and his reaction adds up to like he didn't call that play he probably wanted to just run it with Najee for a yard and like Baltimore still had two timeouts you were second down and then you were gonna kick a field goal to go up one and let Baltimore have basically over a minute of clock to go down and get a field goal with Justin Tucker to win the game come on man go win a game stop playing for field goals um but yeah they won it the block punt was basically the the biggest splash play so credit to special teams yeah, it was big. Um, 
Quickly, another team who had a huge win. The Colts pull out one over the Titans, 23-16. to The story of this one was first, Jonathan Taylor coming back, uh, but then second, Anthony Richardson getting injured again. Looks like this one's actually going to be a bit more significant. Um, But I like the Colts' position to kind of stay relevant or stay feisty during this. Like, they have – Zach Moss has clearly shown he's a – you know, a very capable running back and you got Gardner Minshew out there. Good time for Colts fans. Oh, it is. They are one of those like some early surprise teams this year. Um, Big divisional win against the Titans, who I think many had pegged as the the second team in the AFC South this year. Um, Yeah, obviously, Anthony Richardson, he seems like he's out four to eight weeks, which is kind of a, a massive span of time. I think they should rest him the rest of the year. Uh, I don't think like he is that three injuries in about five weeks he's had. Yep. Yeah, we save your save your quarterback of the future because he does look good. Like when he plays, he, yeah. he is an electric player to watch. He just does not play safe at all. Nope. And so once you can kind of teach him and coach him like how to you know slide and put your body in better situations, I think he'll be a great quarterback and succeed in this league. But you're not falling off with Gardner Minshew. I, I think they haven't been able to grasp that, but Minshew is just as good, if not better right now for yeah. the Colts been than there Anthony Richardson. Yeah, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's he's safety shoes kind of, but he makes plays and he's probably not going to turn the ball over, which is a recipe for success for these Colts. Yeah, need to get a um, <laughs> need to get the Colts like kind of, into the the mindset of rallying around Gardner because that's when he's best is when like entire fan bases rally behind him. He gets all fired up, shows up to the game in costumes half the time. It's awesome. Yeah, get the like uh, the silhouette shirts going with him in the yes. headband and the exactly. beard. Yeah, exactly. something. Get, break out the jorts, Gardner. Come on. Come on. Um, but in other news, we'll touch on the AFC East quickly here. The Patriots are D E A D dead. Worst team in the NFL. Wor- yep. Worst team in the NFL. Um, I know they have a win and their record might not say that they're the worst team in the NFL, but if you lose 30, no- 34 to nothing to the Saints a week after losing 38 to three. Yep. No worries. No longer the Bears. They had oh, a big no. win on Thursday night. It's- no longer the Bears. Yeah, I do you want to do like bottom three teams quickly? Yeah, I would I would love to do that. I think okay. the Patriots. Yep. And then second, I think uh the Broncos. Okay. I, oh, I actually don't mind no that. no no. I would go mm, Panthers. Is that where you I was going? gonna say I was gonna yeah. say I think the Panthers have to get in there because they're the only team without a win. Yeah. But I don't hate the Broncos. I think the Giants might be in there too, though. Oh, but I feel like the Giants always have that potential where they'll just wake up. Yeah, and it's just like they're yeah. Patriots, Panthers, Broncos. I think is pretty pretty solidified. Yeah, I I I like that. Who would have thought? Like I would have had the Cardinals and the Texans in there in this season, but they have uh, those teams have life. Yeah, Um, but then going to the other AFC East matchup this time over the pond, where the Jaguars come out twenty five to twenty over the Bills. Weird game from the Bills, man. This screamed like I'm tired. They flew in on the Thursday night, tried to do the whole red eye experiment, and it didn't look like it worked. They just looked out of sync all day. 
Yeah, this game was just weird. I think on both sides, uh, London games are kind of weird in general. Always. But the Bills, what the hell was that? I mean, they didn't wake up till I think it was like their last drive of the first half when they got the, the yeah. touchdown. Yeah, that was it was ugly, but I, I don't think this discredits the Bills necessarily. Like, I think you kind of just write this one off for them. I, I think they'll be fine. I know they're three and two, but Jacksonville, let's talk about Jacksonville. They could have put up 40 points in this game and they just didn't. Yeah. Their offense me. is really, really weird right now. They they have spurts where they look incredible and then they have spurts where they can't get anything going. They tried to get Calvin Ridley going. They like slowly did over the game, but he never had that like true breakout couple of plays. It's concerning. I, I don't know really what the Jaguars are right now. I know they're a good team, but are they a great team? I they don't show signs of being a great team. A great team wins that game by two, three scores because they were in the driver's seat the entire time. Time of possession was 38 minutes to 21 for yeah, Jacksonville. Outrageous. And you, like I know they won the game and they won it by five, but I mean, Buffalo was not going away. You never put them away and you had a million opportunities to put them away. I don't know. 2-0 and yeah. in London, though. Yep, 2-0 and in London. Um, and I think we got one more London game, um, but that'll bring us to our next segment where we will look ahead to week six. Me and Patrick are going to pick two games that we find the most intriguing and why I'm going to start it off here with Seattle Cincy. I'm in love with measuring stick games right now. Uh, and I think that this is the perfect one for maybe preseason expectations, I think that the Bengals and the Seahawks were leading like a lot of those division talks when people are doing their divisional previews and, you know, two seasons that haven't gone exactly to plan so far. I think the Seahawks better than the, than the Bengals so far. Um, but this one is really going to be interesting to see who comes out and like actually wants to win a game. Yeah, Seattle off a bye, which yeah. I think is good for them. You got two weeks to prepare for this Cincy team. You're right, though. This is a, this is a very intriguing game. I, I don't know who who I lean in this game. Uh, since he's at home, which definitely helps them. Seattle's got to travel time zones. Uh, my biggest question mark going into this game, Damian, is can Cincinnati back up that performance? Because they really haven't shown the ability to put two weeks together yet. And it's a week-to-week league in the NFL. So Seattle has a good enough team to kind of like compete and like punch you in the mouth really early. And I think if Cincinnati gets behind the eight ball again, this is a better team than Arizona. And it won't be as easy to just come back from a deficit. Yeah, I should I should walk that Seattle take back a bit. They have had a good start to the season. Uh, they got that big win over the Lions, which was huge. Um, but it's more so just the past two weeks. You don't really know whether beating the Panthers or the Giants holds much water. Uh, this is another test for them. They lost week one against the Rams. That really put a lot of doubt in people's minds. But this is kind of a, a chance for the Seahawks to kind of put up or shut up uh, against an actual team. And the same goes for the Bengals. You're right. This is not the Cardinals anymore. And Burrow, more than anybody, has to prove that it wasn't a fluke and he's he's healthy enough to keep competing every single week. Um, this is a you know a league that takes a lot out of you week to week, and 
whether you can kind of put up and and show it week after week is going to be a huge part of whether since he can kind of work their way back into a playoff picture. Uh, but who's your first game? Um, I'm going to go divisional matchup and Jags Colts in Jacksonville. Uh, both these teams are three and two first and second in the AFC South. So the winner of this game will go to first in the division. And I, I should double check this stat. We heard it from our, our, our friend and colleague, Zach Friedman. Um, so I do trust it. That is a pretty trustworthy person. Uh, apparently Trevor Lawrence has never covered a spread at home. That's, that's what he told wow. me. I, I should double check it, but I'm not cause I'm trusting my guy. And this feels like That's one of those outrageous. games where like Jacksonville doesn't play their divisional opponents very well at all. Houston has their number. I in my head I, I think Indy has their number as well. And I I think Gardner Minshew adds a layer for this Colts team along with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield where they're going to give the Jags a go in this game, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And if the Colts win this game, like that whole division is just flipped on its head. I think like you, if you're the Colts and you have, you know, they, the the Jags pulled out that one early against them, but if you split those divisional games and then you're still kind of winning games down the schedule, it makes things a lot harder for the Jags moving forward. Um, And this is a game where I need the Jags offense to really show me something. Like I need three touchdowns. I need a lot of yards from Etienne. He looked good against the Bills, and I need that offense to kind of prove it again for another week, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, they played each other week one, and that was Jacksonville's best offensive game of the year. But I do wonder if, you know, you're, Jacksonville has to travel from London back home. So I don't know what their travel schedule is, but we saw the Bills run into travel problems. So hopefully Jacksonville left Monday morning. And they were there for a while, too. Two weeks. They definitely got acclimated to the European time in London. Uh, but yeah, I mean, travel is definitely a factor in games like this. And I don't know. I just I think the Colts are a better team than a lot of people thought going into the year. And I think they're going to play this divisional opponent pretty tough. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll go to my second game. And it's the Monday nighter between the Chargers and the Cowboys. The Cowboys cannot escape prime time you go from a sunday night football game to having a long week and being able to prepare for another chance at it this is a game that has a lot on the line i think that the it's kind of a must win game for both teams absolutely it is uh both your games you, you've picked teams off a of buy that i just forget that they exist for a week um yep. but yeah the chargers and the seahawks are like they're competitive, they're second in their divisions. They need these wins early in the season because they're probably going to be competing for wild cards. And Eckler's coming back. It looks like he's he's likely to play. Uh, and I mean, the Cowboys just off a devastating loss. How do they bounce back on the road at LA? Oh, what a great! We're finally getting these good primetime matchups. Like this is going to be a fun one. Um, it's just two kind of silly head coaches, uh, for lack of a better term, going at each other. So I think there's going to be a comedy of errors in this game from both teams. And it's who makes whoever makes the least amount of mistakes should win this game. Yeah, Staley getting fired in primetime would be awesome. Like just seeing it happen in live action, like a couple bad mistakes would be crazy. Even though yeah, it won't happen. <laughs> 
it could though. Like if he has a really bad one, just mismanages the clock. He he throws a couple brutal challenge flags, goes for it on like a fourth and six on his own 34. It, it can happen, man. And it could also happen for Mike McCarthy coming off a loss like that. And then you're on primetime again. Yeah. You, you can't hide Dallas. You, you can't hide. Yeah. It, it, it'll, it should be a good one. You're right. We're finally, getting to the better primetime games. This is coming out on a Wednesday, and we're not even talking about the Thursday night. I don't think anybody on earth needs a preview of the Chiefs-Broncos. No, uh, not at all. I in no. Especially in Kansas City. See ya. Yeah. Um, I'll go to my my second uh, game to watch. Two teams I... I really just don't know where they where they stand, um, what they are really, and that's Baltimore um, against Tennessee in London once again. Oh, this both teams coming off divisional losses, so you know that the motivation factor is gonna be pretty easy. I this game just these are the two same teams really. If you ask me, if Baltimore Tennessee, they both scream tough physical football. They want to run the ball. I like I think this is a good game because I have no opinion on it. Yeah, the, I think the Titans my my immediate gut reaction is that the Titans are going to look so slow in London. Something about I, that I field and like their their whole vibe like I can just see Derrick Henry having to run through mud over there. I don't think this is going to be a good game. Like I, I, I'm hopeful that it is because I love Sunday morning football. I do love the 9:30 a.m. starts, but yeah, I'm not very hopeful for it. No, I. The reason I like this game is because of the stakes for both teams. Like, if Baltimore goes to three and three, uh, that's not where you want to be. And then if Tennessee falls to two and four, they might just be out of it, really. And how about our boy Tajay Spears demo? He's uh man. he's getting touches. He's getting his touches, man, and Big he looks time. good. He looks it's good. like a, I feel like a proud dad with him, dude. It's like I rem- I know him. I know him. We followed him and he's doing it. Yeah, if uh that's a decent fantasy waiver wire pickup because he's getting catches. Uh they're not really throwing the ball to Derrick Henry as much. Four recep- four receptions last week for 35 yards and uh Seven rushes for 34 yards and a touchdown. So, shout out our like boy, one Tajay of the better Spears. teams in my league and just sitting on his bench. And it's one of those teams where it's like, you know, he's not going to get rid of him because it's like, hey, man, he's got upside. It's like, yeah, Derrick Henry, if he gets injured, he's going to be good. So, yeah, yeah that, I'm, that one team where he's just got an embarrassment of riches and fantasy and just won't I give him it. up. I hate it. Uh, But yeah, that's our quick look ahead at week six. Coming up next, we will take a look at NHL opening night and all things hockey. So come back for that. All right, we're back. It's NHL season. We finally made it. Opening night was last night. Teams are playing across the league, some in some weird times, some in some weird places. Uh, But it was Bedard watch. Like there's a lot to go over. Patrick, what's your initial kind of thoughts on the NHL season? Where are you at with hockey right now? Uh, it snuck up on me. That's I'll start with that. Yeah. I was wasn't ready for it. wasn't in the in the hockey state of mind yet. Um, but we're here, and I think it's almost better to kind of just get thrown right into it. Triple header last night, which was I didn't watch a single game. I'll be honest with you, but uh, Bedard, uh, Bedard was just all over my Instagram feed and Twitter as well. Um, that. 
photo of him and Crosby. That looked photoshopped. I don't know if you it saw like that. It looked like AI, yeah. Yeah. It just, I was like, what are we doing here? Maybe the airbrush painted it over too much, but that was a really weird picture. But I think that was the big, um, like they're really trying to make a big deal of like the passing of the torch, the old generation to the new generation. Um, Good idea for the Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, the Blackhawks need a a new era for sure. Um, But they got the win in their new era against the Penguins who... Like, Dude, that was a crazy win. Uh, like That was my only impression of that game was a lot of people have been super high on the Penguins this se- like going into this season. They're kind of everybody's like sleeper pick. Um, but how do you give up four goals to Chicago like that and lose that game? Unanswered too, right? Yeah. You're, they're up 2-0. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, crazy. I think I'm low on the Penguins this year. I think they're so old and it's... An old team is a recipe for disaster in the NHL. I think we've all kind of realized that this has quickly turned into a young man's league. And the I know they have quality old players, but you still like these young guys are going to skate circles around you and it will add up over time. You need to have a nice balance of old and young together. Um, but credit to the Blackhawks. I think they are going to be better than people kind of think like. I, I forgot how many depth uh, acquisitions they made in the offseason. Like, I completely forgot Nick Foligno was on the team. Taylor Hall's there. Corey, Corey Perry. Perry. Yeah, and I think those are the perfect perfect guys to throw around a Bedard to try and kind of like cater him and like help him out to get adjusted into the league. And he got an assist in game one, so good for him. Did you see how many minutes he played? Yeah, 21 or something. 21, dude. He led the Blackhawks forwards with minutes. So, like, this isn't going to be, like, some load management NBA situation with rookies and Wembignana. This guy is going to be on the ice all night, like, every night. And I think that's the best thing for the fans right now. They have him set up on, like, a world tour. He goes back-to-back and plays in Boston at the Garden tonight. And then he goes quickly after that to go Bell Center, then the ACC. So, I think that... It's going to be a tough sled for like, it's going to be a crazy media circus. You're going essentially into the four biggest, four of the biggest markets like in a row. Yeah. And especially when you go into Toronto and Montreal as a Canadian first overall, it's going to be crazy. That's going to be a media circus. I might have to uh, turn the TV off a little bit during that period of time because I'm sure it will get a little bit uh, tired by the time that he gets out of there. But let's go to the other games. Vegas backed up backed it up man they look good they did look good uh they they barely changed anything about that team like they're essentially rolling it back with like a very similar team and i love it like i i think they are a a true favorite to win the cup this year and that's not kind of taken lightly with a lot of the good teams around the league i'm i'm so torn on vegas man i'm so torn because like is Aiden Hill is he going to be able to be a starter the entire year? I know he put it together in the playoffs, and he was a a big reason why they won the cup. But like you said, like just they had no turnover on this roster, and this is another kind of sneaky old roster as well. I didn't think like going into the season, I was not expecting Vegas to compete for the cup. I was expecting them to make the playoffs, but. Maybe I'm wrong, man. Maybe this will be my Boston team of last year where I just didn't don't expect a lot from them and they turn out to be the best team in the league. Well, speaking of Boston, like I think that 
if you can kind of leverage, like let's say Aiden Hill does play really well and then you still have Logan Thompson, like they might have a true 1A, 1B in terms of goalies this year, which on a roster that's a bit older and you might, you know, have to kind of turn over and get some tough wins, that might be huge for back-to-backs. Like you can throw in a guy like Logan Thompson or Aiden Hill and he can help you get a win. Uh, I'm pretty high on Vegas and I think that being in the West this year, like last year, is a huge advantage to... Eastern teams are just going to beat the shit out of each other this year, I think. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, Are we going to see a hangover from Seattle? Like that first season? Oh, that's nice. Good story. They made the playoffs. Are they going to come down to reality? I don't know. It's interesting. It seems like if you can only base it off like the Golden Knights trajectory right now. And based on that, it's like you either have to continue to make the playoffs or if you have another like step back season, people kind of buy out on you. Like they kind of, you lose a bit of the luster. You you lose a bit of the kind of wow factor. I think a good thing that they have going is their crowd. Like I think that that actually adds a little bit of a, a culture effect there. I think that they got something to kind of play for. You, you, you still see a bit of a feisty attitude, but again, the West isn't great. Like they might be able to sneak into a playoff spot again. Yeah, and it's it's tough opening your first game in Vegas. They're lifting the banner. They're like I, the crowd's going crazy. And they told you what they were doing there. Yeah, that's that's a tough opening game. So I'm not gonna like I'm not thinking too much into it. But I was just well, just starting the conversation. You know, who knows what happens with the Kraken? Because I was so I I was very anti Kraken last year. Yeah, I I do remember those days. Uh, but the Leafs open their season tonight against the Habs. Classic game down at Scotiabank. A lot of expectations. Lot, at the same time, not a lot of expectations for this Leafs team. I think that, you know, surprisingly enough around the league, I think they did have like one of the better off seasons. I think that adding guys like Pertuzzi, Domi, and Klingberg are going to make a difference. It's guys like Reeves in the bottom six is what, I think the biggest question marks from this team come to me from, I think that the past few years we've kind of rolled into the season with a very questionable bottom six, or at least, at least bottom four, maybe forwards. Uh, And then, you know, you get a few months down the line, they're not really scoring or producing. And then you get to the playoffs and all the pressure to score falls on the big guys, you know, partly as it should. uh, But then you don't have that scoring back there. Like, Right now on their bottom four, they have Nyes, Minton, Yarncroak, Gregor, Kampf, Reeves. Like there's, there is Nyes and Yarncroak there and Kampf. The other three, not really sure about. Are they going to throw Nyes like on the power play? And so like, I'm just, I don't know how they're going to use him this year because he, he kind of jumped into a pretty big role in the playoffs immediately last year. But you know, like what you're saying, he's kind of in the probably bottom six. So what do you like? What do you have for Matthew Nye's expectations this year? I think Nye's is going to play himself above Max Domi. I think that that's like my true outlook for this. I think he's going to have a diminished role to start, uh, and then they're going to realize that he should be on a line with Tavares and Nylander. Like, if you want to bolster a third line, I feel like Max Domi's the perfect person for that. And like. I don't know. I think he, we mentioned it's a young man's league. There's nobody like in a more prime position to kind of go out there and use his legs, use his body and score than Matthew Nyes. Yeah. And he's, he's a big boy too. So I can see him 
you're right, like ending ending up on that second line and I you're right. I see Max Domi as like a third li- a good third liner, a uh, penalty kill guy, like just a a crucial part to a team that like helps make you go. Um Another question for you, Fraser Minton, um, did he only make the team because of cap reasons? It's a good question. Um, I think that that is one of the things that pisses me off about trying to follow the Leafs throughout the season is like Brandon Pridham just does cap wonders all the time. So you can never take anything at face value. Even if you see somebody put on waivers and you're like, why the hell did they do that? There's some... 12 step reason that somebody on Twitter will explain to you like you can't even I can't even talk about it I don't know yeah because I mean I obviously I'm I'm not the biggest Leaf fan in the world but I really never heard of this guy I knew the Leafs kind of had cap issues like they had to make some moves to get below the cap and then all of a sudden it's all I hear on TV is Fraser Minton Fraser Minton I'm like okay I think that a big reason he made the team is because of cap reasons. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He obviously has to be good enough because I just think they needed a rookie contract Yeah, on, I agree. on this team. And it just happened to be him. Uh, but I do think like, why not? He can be a good player. Um, yeah. I think this defense also needs one more piece. Like right now it's Riley Brody, McCabe Klingberg, Giordano Lilligren. It's a very strong or strong ish front three. After that, I don't know. Giordano is not the defenseman he used to be. If we no, want to go go be honest with each other here, he might be the seventh defenseman on this team. I agree. I think he does slot in at seven. I think I would take Lilligren uh, ahead of him any day of the week. I think we saw started to see that a lot in the playoffs last year or towards the end of the season, really. It's tough, man. Like it, I think they are gonna. I I do trust that Treliving is gonna do something about the defense. I think that'll be the next thing that he attacks on this team, um, and I think that that'll come. Yeah, I I'm not saying Giordano is like the worst defenseman in the league. I'm just saying his body, his age, he doesn't need to go out and play an 82 game season. Let him no. play 40 games or 30 games or whatever. Be a crucial part in the locker room because he's got that veteran presence. Seems like a great guy too. Um, the Leafs, they should go win the Atlantic this year. I I would say that's the expectation. Absolutely. uh, Especially with Boston seemingly, seemingly, seemingly taking a step back. Um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. That's the most annoying part of being a Leafs fan right now is you just essentially have to wait until April. Like I love watching regular season hockey, but it's going to be tough. You can't win. Yeah, you can't win. Yeah. Like the Leafs could go put up a hundred and fifteen point season this year. Nobody will give a fuck. Like yeah. at all. No, you're you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. It's everyone's gonna be like, what'd you do in the playoffs? Yeah. Talk what'd about you do in the playoffs. Opposite expectations. The Sens open their season against the Hurricanes. It's a big season for the Sens. A lot of expectations to make a playoff push to finally kind of move past you know, into the next section of a building team and, you know, start to really be somebody who's feisty and, and being talked about in playoff talks every year. What are your thoughts on the send season? And what are your thoughts on tonight? Uh, I like the, I like the hurricanes tonight in all honesty, uh, them at home. They are probably disappointed with how their season ended last year. I think they're a, they're a cup hopeful this yep. year as well. And I think Ottawa is just kind of, they had a good off season. They had a good off season. Every like a lot of promise, a lot of uh, just excitement. 
and then uh, Dorian and I guess Norris and everyone, they just feel like they're lying to everyone. They won't, they won't come out and say what is wrong with him. They just keep saying shoulder. Oh, he's, he's okay. He'll be fine. He'll be ready to go. Then he's coming out and practice in a non-contact Jersey. He hasn't played a preseason game. Some, um, someone said it's like his shoulder's fine, but his mental space, he's just, he doesn't trust his shoulder. I don't know, man. Pinto's not signed. Uh, it's, it's, not the roster I thought the Sens were going to start the season with. So I love I love Carolina in this game, but I do think the Sens have an opportunity to get into a wild card spot this year. With I believe a lot of teams in the Atlantic have taken a step back, and the Sens have an opportunity to take a step forward. Yeah, I agree. I think it's disappointing because they probably had the best off season last season, and you're really looking for that to kind of maintain going up and not, you know, plateau. Uh, but I do think that it's kind of up to the Sens and kind of a bit up to the Sabres a bit. Like, I think that the Sabres are almost like your nemesis in this battle. Uh, they're going to be, I would say, for the next, like, long time. I think that there's a potential for a real rivalry to brew there between Buffalo and Ottawa, which is something I'm excited to see. Um, but I would love Ottawa to make the playoffs simply because I think that it would help. I think it would help boost up that market a bit some more like you're trying to gain some traction to hopefully move the arena that place does get rocking in the playoffs like if it's one thing about that arena a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say it's a great playoff environment like if it it does have that one thing and you need to get that back yeah it's i love it in the playoffs that goal horn like just the sea of red it's uh it's a great building uh, I do think Ottawa, the biggest improvement they've made is their defense. I think they have a, a top 10, maybe top five best defensive units in the league with bringing in Chikrin for the full season. Shabbat, obviously, Zub is a solid defensive defenseman. I think Sanderson's going to take a huge step forward this year. Eric Brandstrom seemed to s- seem great in preseason. So I'm not worried about the defense. I'm worried about the the five by five goalie. They just decided to sign out of out of left field, Jonas Corposalo. Uh, I, like I have no idea what to expect out of him, Damian. <laughs> that that was the that signing just took me by surprise. I was shocked when I saw a five by five when you're, you're propping up our prospect goalies. Anton Forsberg's coming back. He's still on contract. Ah. I think they're running a tandem, but I have no idea what they're doing in the goal with their goaltending situation. Jonas Corpusallo is like that that goalie that Leafs fans bring up like just before the playoffs hit, and they're like, "If you go, you can go out and get a Corpusallo. He'll be good for you." So like, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know. It's tough. It's almost like the reverse Leafs effect in the sense that when you see the Sens sign somebody to a contract, you have to like remember their cap. You're like, okay, are they just trying to fill cap? But like, is this the best way to really do it? I would love for him to have a good season, but I don't I don't think he's a good enough goalie for a five by five. You just saw what happened to Jack Campbell signing that. No, I, I'm with you. I'm yeah, I'm I absolutely know. with you. I just five years is crazy. If you sign to a three by five, sure. Yeah. Like it is what it is. The term's not brutal, but you basically just committed to this guy out of nowhere saying you are our starter for the, not even the future, like the long, the long term. Um, so this I has think buyout potential, yeah, big time, big buyout time. So does you know who else's buyout potential? Josh Norris, eight oh. eight mil, 
Seven oh. years, eight mil. Oh. That that is I'm more worried about him than Corpus I Allo. so that, forgot about that contract, man. Yeah, big time, big time. But like it seems like you mentioned it earlier. It seems like every team in the league can figure out ways to get around the cap and figure out their cap issues. And the big the only reason Shane Pinto hasn't signed is because of cap issues. So if Josh Norris isn't gonna play, why don't we throw him on the litter and sign Shane Pinto and get this guy in the opening night lineup? Because Rourke Chartier is garbage and he can't do anything. And so we need a second line center to to win games. Like it's you can't the yeah. biggest knock on the Sens every year, they don't get out of the gates. They they stumble out of the gates and they just they're just playing catch up the rest yeah. of the way. So why, why are we going to do it? that? Yeah. It's like, oh. it's just crazy to me. So Dorian, if you're crazy. listening, please figure it out. Find a way, do whatever you have to do, but let's get the boys in the lineup. Come on. I, I agree. I think that you need juice to start this season. Everybody else is going to be starting it. And the Atlantic, like the race for the, the Eastern Wild Card is going to begin game one, I think, which is something that's super exciting about this season. Uh, there's teams like everywhere in the East who are just dying to make the playoffs, I would say. Uh, and I think it's going to set up for a good season. I'm hoping I'm hopeful for this NHL season and I'm, you know, I'm optimistic. I would say, yeah, I would say every team in the Atlantic, except for Montreal has a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. Which, uh, you couldn't say that for what the past six, seven, eight years. So yeah. It's pretty exciting, um, but I think that does it for us today. We'll get back to you next week. A lot of sports on the roster. Get your weekends going. Get a comfy couch. Enjoy it. Yep, grab that extra TV and, and get after it. Have a, have a good weekend, everyone, because sports all day. All right, until next week. I'll see you, Patrick. See you, Damien. <laughs>